The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find the best Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we'll share the news, knowledge, and strategies you need to navigate the ever-changing world of SEO. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Tyson Stockton. Hey, what's going on? My name is Tyson Stockton from Previsible.io, and we're going to be doing a couple episodes uh, here. First one, we're going to be talking about stakeholder management, managing expectations in SEO, and then really importantly, too, we're going to be talking about how to say no in SEO. Joining me today is Gabriel Leonardi who is the director and owner of Rock SEO, a consulting firm which offers premier businesses and individual customized SEO consulting to elevate their online presence and achieve organic growth. Tailored strategies and crafted to drive businesses' performance and results. So with that, let's jump in to the first episode. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash AWT. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. And we are going to be diving into stakeholder management and setting expectations. Gabriel, thanks for being on the podcast with me. Yeah. Hi, Tyson. Great to be here. Likewise, looking forward to this conversation. I am too. I mean, we connected over LinkedIn, had a couple kind of just quick conversations. So I'm really happy to have you on the podcast, get a little bit of your perspective on these topics, and hopefully we can share a few insights for the listeners out there. So to set the stage here... Stakeholder management and expectation setting. 
when you walk into working with like a new organization, what's kind of your first, you know, inventory or groundwork that you do for understanding kind of like where the organization or the program's at and how do you use that within managing the stakeholders or setting these expectations? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really, really good question where we start this. There's a real situation and then the ideal situation, and they're not usually the same. So most often than not, when you do get a new client or a new lead, or even when you're working in an agency, you know, you have to do a new work for a type of client, etc. you do get some connection from someone, right? And that person may or may not be the most relevant stakeholder. So this, I would say, is the most common situation where... At times, we do get inquiries or you are asked to provide services and you to find out that that person in reality is not the right person that pulls the strings. Now, the ideal situation would be when you do get that right person, let's say a head of marketing or even a CEO sometimes, you know, if that is required or is possible, to come to you for asking for a consultancy or services. So... I think these are the two scenarios which I encountered. So if the other one happens, the former is essentially where you don't have their most relevant stakeholder, but you do have some, you know, internal person working on behalf of, let's say, a director of marketing, I will start asking a lot of questions. So you start with things like, I mean, what do you want to achieve? How are you going to measure your results? You know, quite broader things. And then try to make it clear that, those informations which you exchange have to be communicated at every level of the business. And I'll make a small example here. So one of my previous agency roles, we had this particular client, which we will remain nameless for this, but some things happened in, in the sense that the onboarding process was quite lengthy, right? There was some a little bit of hiccups, you know, on communication on, on both sides. I mean, nothing, I don't want to point fingers or anything, you know, things were a little slow, but everything was communicated in a proper manner with our contact at the client side. We make it clear, look, onboarding will take X number of weeks because we need this information for you. Things could be slow, you know, at the beginning, you'll know, Tyson, that, you know, things can be a bit slow when you're on onboarding, getting new information and you need to get contacts, content, make sure everybody is just clear on everything. So we thought everything was clear. And further on, in another weekly call with this contact of ours, they dropped the bombshell essentially and they said, oh, our CEO had a look at this and they don't want to pay the first month. And we literally jump off the chair virtually. I mean, it was on a remote call. Yeah. And we were so surprised because we felt we did communicate everything in a clear manner. Everything was clearly outlined, you know, in an email or Slack. And then so from our side, we were quite open and super transparent on communication. And then it turns out that the CEO, which probably was paying the bill, this was not a major organization, it was a relatively small client, they were saying that basically things were too slow. So after that event happened, then we went back on some agency processes. And I thought, guys, we need to make it clear that when things happen, that we do get a contact or a new business or a new lead, etc. We do need to make sure that all the relevant stakeholders are always looped in, even just the CC, so they are aware. Because I think in many agencies, these situations do happen. And this is kind of a preventive measure that you wanted to take for yourself as a, when you're working with clients, that 
I mean, it's great when things go great, but you know, when things don't go so great or things are slow, you know, you need to have a backup and a fallback, you know, and I think everybody is quite usually open and you know honest in admitting mistakes things happen hey we we did screw up this and that but for the most part we want to be clear with communication i think most seos take pride in being open with the communication and clear how they communicate and so we were extremely surprised we had to pull in you know the ceo of the leadership team and you know they had to get in touch with them so it was a bit of a sort of situation and eventually it got straightened out but that one would have been easier, you know, if from the start we we were looping in the major stakeholders. And I think this is a double-edged sword on the other hand, because the major stakeholders will be super busy most of the time. So they don't want to know everything, but the key things they need to know. That's maybe the bottom line where I think this conversation could be going that in the event, you know, things are slow, especially at the beginning of a campaign, a new engagement, I think one should make it really clear, and I really do my best, but again, sometimes, you know, things are unavoidable. They need to be in the loop and be in touch with what's going on, especially when there's payments and, you know, those things which are delaying things. And we all know SEO takes time. So I think more often than not, you know, site owners, you know, website owners don't understand this. So I think as SEOs, we should always make it clear that, you know, especially if it's a new engagement, if it's a not so big brand, you know, it will take time with all the new developments and content side these days to be basically visible and being out there. Some people will expect quick results. And I think it's our responsibility to even say, look, this will not happen in three weeks. You have to wait three months because this, this and that based on data, of course. I think that's a great kind of start to the conversation. And I feel like you hit on a couple really key points in there. You know, one of the first ones you mentioned is identifying the right stakeholders. And, you know, you alluded to in your example, more of like the executive presence, like who's the ultimate budget owner to it. And I think for the listeners too, I wouldn't overly fixate on specific job titles because that can vary quite a bit depending on the organization that you're working with. And if you're working with a smaller organization, yeah, that budget owner or that kind of ultimate decision maker could be the CEO or someone like within the C-suite. If you're working with like a Fortune 500, maybe it's not a C-suite, maybe it's a director, a VP, but you're really needing to like identify, you know, who is that budget owner that is like funding the project or funding the engagement that you're working on. And then obviously you have the more common, which everyone is familiar with, is like more of your like primary or day-to-day contact. And then there's also like the cross-functional teams, which are really, you know, important for it. And I think oftentimes those get overlooked a little bit. So maybe from your perspective, how do you go about identifying those kind of cross-functional teams that you may be working with, depending on, you know, the type of SEO you're doing with a client? Like, what are some of those cross-functional teams that you're often collaborating with? 
Yeah, I think if we're talking like in the, let's say in, internally it's a, at a company on the client side, that will be your SEO manager or online marketing manager type of people. Because normally those, let's say you work in agency and you have that as a contact. Now, those roles, because I had those roles myself, so I know a little bit, you know, there will be the internal bridge between those connections, you know, those high level people, let's say. So I think... If you have a, a good relationship, and now we, will, we can talk about you know, relationship building also, it is really key because if you have a, a good and open communication with this SEO manager, then it will make your life easier communicating and relaying the message with the other internal people. Because day to day, like you said, you, you cannot expect to have open direct lines with everybody within an organization, right? It's also, I mean, other not being maybe always right is also not efficient, you know, for efficiency, you know, in terms of how to communicate and make things work in the right way. So the client side, that will be SEO manager in my experience, because those, again, you have regular conversation with the engineering team, web dev and stuff. If it's on the agency side, that's a bit tricky. You know, it could be a, a director or an account manager even. So I think those roles differ. Again, the SEO manager would be for the client side, I think. Yeah, and those are type of people I had more experience with, but it could be also be a content manager, let's say. So it's like those experienced, hands-on people that have a direct line of communication within a client. That's my advice there. You hit on another one too, which I think has a lot of overlap regardless, you know, if it's your working from the agency side or even within an organization, but building the relationships. What tips or recommendations would you have for the audience on how to build constructive relationships with these various stakeholder groups? Yeah, I would say there are maybe a few differences. We can break this down. You know, if we're talking a complete remote environment or a more physical slash hybrid you know, situation, which is quite common these days, I do think the former, the total remote, can be more difficult for this, you know. After all, you know, we are all, you know, social people, you know, some people are more open than others in general, but I do think that for relationship building, you know, online, completely remote can be a bit more tricky. So a simple suggestion there that for, you know, building some relationship might be don't talk only about work. I know it sounds so obvious and cheesy, but I think that goes a long way. I mean, of course, you want to get things done. You want to make sure everything is efficient and fast and etc. because everything wants everything fast. But if you want to build a bit of relationship, you cannot just say, hi, here's the technical audit. You will see keywords on page three. What do you need next? I've seen some situations like that. And I thought that was really crazy. You don't want to talk one hour about the weather of last weekend either. So I think dropping in, you know, a little bit of, you know, human communication, let's call it that way, you know, that goes a long way. And, you know, it's the old school, basically meeting clients for drinks or for lunch, you know, which, you know, major agencies still do, I would say maybe less, you know, for budget constraints, but you know, they still will do that for relationship building that, right? And on the one hand, you one might think, hey, what I'm doing this for, you know, is a bit useless, but that goes a long way. And that goes to another point that if you have a good, decent, perhaps not good, let's call it decent relationship with a client, when the results go bad, then you can still fix things relatively easily. But if you have not so good relationship and, you know, let's say last month, oh, traffic was down, keywords dropped, the website is slow, everything is bad. 
then you know that client might very well leave the company. So I think that's quite important, actually. It's one of the most important things because also if you have a good relationship with a client, that client can become an advocate for yourself or for your company, whether you're a consultant or you're a big agency, because when that client changes job, and we know how many times we, as a marketer, you know, we switch roles, it's quite common in a way or another, they can bring you on board again. Say they go to a new company, hey, wait a second, let's call again company X, they were great, and that person XYZ was very good with me. So new job and there there you go you'll have another client so maybe some are not looking long term you know you know what what could happen with this you know what you know is the long term effect like i said though in the remote situation you know is a bit tricky and uh, you cannot do remote drinks with a client, right? I mean, everybody, I think, tried to have remote drinks even with the coworkers, and it's just ridiculous. Just, I mean, it's embarrassing, it's awkward silences, and it's just, in my opinion, doesn't work. You know, you can do some more activities. There are some platforms. You can do something interactive, but that's more for your team, you know, rather than the client. So still, I do think that getting to know the client a, a little bit, you know, within reason, you know, within some limits. So if I have my team, I will always encourage them with, to spend a little time, you know, unless the client really tells you, look, I have no time right now. We, we only talk about this, etc." I don't think there's anything wrong, you know, doing a little bit of, you know, chat before you just dive into the business, you know, because after all, we're human in the same way. And I think having that type of connection is still very important. Otherwise, we just plug in the AI to talk to everybody and then <laughs> that's all, right? <laughs> There's no more human touch. So I think people will have different opinions around this, but that's my personal perspective. I consider myself a rather social person and well, I had several agency roles. We were still doing the old school, going out with clients for dinners or the Christmas dinner, etc. So, and that was all for relationship stuff, right? Lastly, you will find out that with some clients, you click better than others. You know, it's just, again, a personal level thing. So I think at times it's also useful where if there's a not so good relationship that you just switch colleagues, you know, if it's possible, if you have a big team and one person maybe didn't click with that particular client, you could suggest, hey, look, maybe my colleague Mario or whatever might be better for that particular client, you know, and then you can just uh, switch. Although, you know, for um, history reasons, you know, that can also be tricky because they will not know the client. That's also another possibility I'm thinking where, you know, relationship is not so good or, you know, they prefer to talk to someone else. And if there's a possibility, why not? So that's another tip there. So, yeah, that's my, my point of view on this. Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive 
by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And it is really important to just remember that human side. And the same way that you'd connect with a friend or someone new that you meet like outside of work, you're applying like similar just social practices in that sense. Like you're getting to know them as an individual, sharing a bit about yourself. You do have to read the individual and understand, you know, how much appetite or how much interest it is on their side. And if it's clear that they're not wanting to go down that path, like don't keep running into a dead end. But I think like that human side is is so important, whether you're an agency, you know, getting to know a new client or you're starting in-house, like building, starting to build these. It's all about the relationships that you can build and then the trust that you can kind of gain from having consistent work with the individuals. So there's another one for relationship building, which is quite good, although it's more on the, let's say, high end. I do know some agencies for building trust and rapport with their customers slash clients are inviting clients to conferences, for example, to a SEO conference, because one might think, hey, let's send them some gifts. But uh, no, 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 gifts is a no-go, right? We don't want to go sending gifts that's not good from other perspective. But, you know, if there's a cool conference in the area, you know, maybe something local, you know, if it's possible or maybe not too far, you could get tickets for your clients or maybe the top clients, invite them over so they will have a great day out. You know, you have a chance then to have maybe a lunch or something more in the, let's say, flesh. And then, you know, they will go home saying, hey, look, we had this great opportunity. We went out, we learned something new with company X. What a nice thing they did for us. So, Again, this is more on the, you know, bigger side of, you know, company expenses, let's say. But uh, that's also, I think, very, very interesting. And there are some local conferences that they will not require to fly across the country. You know, if you are in certain cities, the major ones at least. So I think that's also a good one. Absolutely. I really like the earlier comment you made too on like living in more of this hybrid or remote world, like not trying to recreate things exactly the same. Like you're never going to have the same experience sharing a drink over a Zoom call that you would, you know, getting together with a drink in person. So trying to apply the same thing in a virtual setting does not typically work as well. So it's like I would be encouraging people to think more of how do you achieve the same objective with kind of a new medium, new format, but not trying to re produce kind of like the same playbook. Now, the final piece that I wanted to hit on before we wrap up this episode is kind of on the tail end. So we've discussed, you know, identifying the different stakeholder groups, building relationships with them, not just viewing it as your, your key or primary contacts, but also like the setting expectations. What tips would you have for the listeners on how to set constructive expectations around SEO? 
I do think it also can start from understanding the knowledge level of the other person. Because I find that clients which have a high knowledge of SEO are the most difficult ones to set expectations with, right? Because they will have a high expectation, obviously. So those are quite difficult. Instead, if we see on the other end of the spectrum, clients which are, maybe they're really good at marketing, you know, they're, say a director of marketing will really know that his thing or his or her thing, right? But maybe he's not so up to date with things in SEO, etc. So with that one, you can, you can really, really, you know, educate him on, you know, the type of timeframes necessary. And I would always try to make those things clear. Let's say SEO takes time to rank and those type of things. So I think those are the easier ones for setting expectations. Whereas if you have, let's say, a senior SEO manager within an organization, which of course will know you're, he's a SEO and he works with you, external agency, you know, there are some things, or for example, on the, let's say, on the educational side that you may, may want to, to skip. So in that sense, his expectation is, is already quite high. But in both situations, I will try to make it as clear as possible upfront, you know, how long it takes to do X service you're providing. Because let's say you're doing content marketing and the business is super competitive, then make it clear from the start that because of this situation, it will take X number of weeks, months, whatever it is, before you see any results. And I like the approach of being a bit conservative on the you know, on the results, what they call under-promise and over-deliver. I mean, we have our own experiences from different brands we work with. We know what works, what doesn't. Or let's say a small example, a uh, site migration. You do a site migration for a massive website. You know it will take time, one to two months, right? Because many moving parts, etc. Whereas this uh, smaller site, you know, a small, you know, player, it will take much less. So there you go. That one is relatively easier to set expectations. So I'll always try to make things as clear as possible from the beginning, give a clear time frame to your client on how long things will will take and communicate also openly if things take, uh, there's a delay or on th- things happen, whatever situation. Um, so try to make it as clear as possible in those things. That will be my advice. There are always unexpected situations. But if you have an open communication and then back again to a relationship building, the client will most of the time, you know, be okay with it. It's more difficult in the beginning, obviously, because you don't have that relationship built up yet. So for that reason, being quite open and transparent or also on, uh, for example, costs, you know, agency costs or your fees, you know, make it clear, make it simple. I like to, you know, have some simple deliverables on breaking down, you know, all the services, how much it takes or what are the costs, whether you do hourly rates or you do per deliverable, doesn't matter. You can, you know, make it in a different ways, but try to make things as simple as possible. No, Oh, but that happened, or therefore the cost will change. I think those things, people are educated enough these days that they can browse and change, right? So they, it's so easy to lose a customer, especially in our very competitive industry. So just try to be as transparent as possible, be open with the communication lines and make sure you set up the stage in the right way. And I think for people working in agencies or you know, bigger organizations, if you don't know how long uh, something takes, ask questions. That's my other top advice. And if you have a senior colleague, ask questions. You know, you're preparing a proposal for a client. 
ask how long it takes, how long it took the first time. The first time always takes longer, right? When you do a site audit the first time, it will take you 20 hours. The second time will take 10 and maybe then you settle on, okay, this takes eight hours and that's that because you've done it 20 times. So this is another advice, ask questions. And uh, you know, when you're not clear on things and if you have someone more senior than you to ask, go for it. So yeah, I think that's, that's what I, I think makes more sense for setting the expectations. There are all the variables, of course, but more general way, I think that covers. What do you think, Tyson? I couldn't agree more on that. I think being proactive on the communication is always really, really key. I also really like kind of pushing into what goes into each deliverable or each SEO initiative. And as you're tackling different SEO initiatives, you're going to have dependencies or, you know, kind of like subtasks that will need to be completed. And so the more that you can set the expectation, both in the sense of like what the performance gain is or what like what business impact can come from the initiatives, but also like what is the body of work that needs to be completed? whether it's, you know, number of pieces of content, how long does it take for each piece of content to be produced and how, what's the process for how that gets live to site or in the sense of tackling, you know, more technical issues, like how many sprints is it going to require from the engineering team to implement some of the requests? And then the other piece that I always, you know, like to kind of urge or remind SEOs though, is in setting the expectations, don't just set it on lagging metrics, but use leading KPIs for every initiative that you're doing. And so if it's around content marketing, have an initiative for number of published pieces of content, or if it's, you know, around internal linking, the number of new incoming links to X, Y, and Z respective URLs. And by creating a measurement of leading KPIs, you're able to give more immediate feedback of, hey, we accomplished what we we're looking to do. And it also gives you more kind of communication talking points. So whether it's a client or internal partners within the organization, they know that things are moving. And then your narrative around, hey, SEO takes time, you know, has something else that's not just, hey, let's wait, let's wait, but it gives them something to monitor, to look, you know, forward to hearing. And so I think that leading KPI is always something that can really be utilized in the communication flow, but also in setting these expectations. Yeah, that, that was great. Yeah, good addition, Tyson. At the same time, sometimes things change, right, in the ecosystem that are outside our control. Hey, Google just released an update or, oh, that thing particularly does not work anymore. We need to refine the strategy. But if you have those leading KPIs, as you said, you can always say, hey, look, we just published 20 pieces of content. That's what you contracted us for. So it's not that we didn't do anything, right? So I really like what you just said. It's a good reminder, too, of... Hey, you know, like we are not in control of absolutely everything. And, you know, one piece of advice I like to to often share too is don't overly take credit for something that you didn't have an impact on. <laughs> so if you're positively impacted from an algorithm update, be clear on what happened and why it happened. Because the same way if you over kind of take credit for 
an adjustment and an algorithm update, it very well could swing the other way on the pendulum. And so it's like, to me, you really have to be careful on kind of overtaking credit on it because if it goes the other direction, it makes it way more difficult to kind of tell the narrative of, hey, you know, this was actually a change in the algorithm. It's a way that I've seen, you know, sometimes in the past people kind of lose credibility, especially in the eyes of the C-suite around SEO as a program. Yeah, and I think especially those, maybe last thing, the those people especially, which they have, let's say, a broader understanding, you know, they should know pretty much what you can do or what you cannot do, essentially. Okay, you provide these services, you know, that's what you will achieve. You're trying or say you're doing your best, but then, you know, that's where is off, let's say, your responsibility because at the end it will deserve changing, right, doing their thing and we do our, our best. And at times... I think those people don't know really, and they just think, okay, I want to be a good example is the rankings. You know, there was like one client a little while ago, they were so fixated on the top 10 and stuff. And we were trying to educate them that, look, it's more about your objectives, your business objectives, right? Because, okay, it's nice that you're in the top 10, you want to beat your competition. But then at the end of the day, if you rank with other 5,600 keywords and the overall traffic is higher than just doing those 10, you still win, let's say. You still bring back home those results, right? Because you do more, you know, sell whatever services, you get more traffic, KPIs are good, and then you have hit your revenue targets. So I think that's something else that, you know, SEOs, maybe, you know, someone maybe learning on new things should be also be ready to not fight back, but be ready to explain in a really clear manner that it's not anymore all about the, the rankings, also because things shuffle so much, you know, all the changes they do. It's more about business objectives and you know, driving those results, whether it's traffic or revenue or phone calls, whichever metric that might be, or pieces of content written, which then will drive home results for the clients. I think that's what should matter. And it makes also a nice narrative if you think about it at the end, because you could go, okay, we were contracted for improving metrics X, which we did not achieve. However, we achieved this, this and that, which then improve all your internal revenues, hit all your KPIs, and therefore, you know, you're doing 400%. And that is the value I'm bringing to your organization. So I think that's also a key thing, which when you can prove that value will make, you know, all business owners happy and, you know, they will give you more services and more budgets in the future. That's such a great point. And with that, that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks to Gabriel Leonari, director, owner of Rock SEO for joining us. In part two of this interview, which will be published tomorrow, Gabriel and I are going to be going into how to say no in SEO. If you can't wait until the next episode and you'd like to learn more about Gabriel, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in their show notes, or you can also visit his company's website at gabriellinari.com. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O.
And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Okay, thanks to Tyson Stockton, our guest host. If you'd like to get in touch with Tyson, you can find a link to their LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact them on Twitter. Tyson's handle is Tyson underscore Stockton. Or if your team is interested in SEO consulting or organizational education, you can always head to their company's website, which is previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to VoicesOfSearch.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. Thank you.